0: The idea is that we're kind of born perfect and we're born, you know, really unique and we all have this path of individuation to live out. And a lot of the times we get taken off of that path through societal conditioning, through parenting conditioning, through um, conditioning of peers and of teachers. And the idea with human design is that it allows you to kind of come home to yourself and notice where you've been following a path or a track that isn't necessarily yours, or you know, maybe you've lost your way a little bit and human design gives you the tools to come back to yourself.
1: Welcome to the Reparenting Podcast with me, Melissa Mauris. In these interview episodes, I talk to wellness experts that I feel complement the art of re-parenting. We discuss how they've used re-parenting themselves, as well as their experience of being parented and their approach to parenting with their children. In this episode, I'm talking to Olivia Iacinous, also known as Livy, who's a human design expert who works with entrepreneurs building legacy brands. Human design is a wonderful tool that anyone can use to understand themselves better and strip back their conditioning. We talk about how she went against her own conditioning and left her corporate job as a lawyer back in 2019 to focus on her sole purpose, and has since become a thought leader in the human design space. We also discuss overcoming tendencies of overwork and burnout, redefining what success means, and how to listen to your body rather than your mind when making decisions. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Reparenting Podcast, Libby.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. So good to be here.
1: So, human design has really blown up, I feel like, in recent years. It's everywhere in my silo. But for those people that don't know anything about it, can you just give a really basic
0: explanation of what it is and how it works? Yeah, of course. So, Human design is a a system and a tool to help you understand yourself better. Um, So based on astrology, the Hindu chakra system, the I Ching and the Kabbalah tree of life, it pulls on the wisdom of ancient modalities to generate what's called your human design chart. And your chart is really a map of how unique you are as a being so it's a it it helps you understand yourself better it helps you see yourself better it helps you learn how to make decisions that are really supportive of you and um, bringing out the most unique version of yourself as well as how to manifest opportunities and touches on things like what your purpose is in this lifetime.
1: Wow, love it. Mm -hmm. So, something that really struck me when we first connected in the sessions that you gave me was how human design seeks to undo that conditioning that's Mm -hmm. set in place, especially in those first seven years. And that's what I really work with with reparenting. It's really looking at those first seven years, what happens to us, and trying to undo some of the stories and the narratives that are set in place at that time. So, how is human design effective? In this way? Like, what, how does it work? How does it help unravel that conditioning?
0: Yeah. So, such a good question. Um, What human design says is that, in the, and just generally how like civilization sort of works, the idea is that we're kind of born perfect and we're born, you know, really unique. And we all have this path of individuation to live out. And a lot of the times we get taken off of that path through societal conditioning through parenting conditioning through um conditioning of peers and of teachers and the idea with human design is that it allows you to kind of come home to yourself and notice where you've been following a path or a track that isn't necessarily yours or you know maybe you've lost your way a little bit and human design gives you the tools to come back to yourself and yeah it's this idea that in the first sort of seven years of your life we can get molded and shaped by those around us um so this is one of the tools that you can come back to to help you see who you are and how unique you are and um yeah just notice where you've sort of strayed from your own self and yeah in in those early years that's like yeah a, t- a time where we can be like mold we're often molded and shaped and um we we you know being surrounded by parents who have certain ways of doing things or teachers have got ways of doing things and um sometimes subtly and sometimes in more obvious ways we lose who we are yeah and
1: we just take it for granted don't we that like we can be whoever we want to be or like we we don't realize that there's this one reality that we're seeing there could be so many other realities and i think human design is really good at like shining a light on oh this is this is who you could be, right, really at your core if you were just listening to yourself and not to everybody else.
0: Yeah, that's it's it. Really beautiful. Like you're perfect as you are and you don't need to contort yourself to fit in, to, um, yeah, to change who you really came here to be just to fit a certain mould.
1: Mm, yeah, and you really went against that programming yourself when you made that decision to switch from being a lawyer to... To do in this you know job that you now love being a human design expert, what helped you like what really gave you the impetus to make such a big bold, brave decision in your life
0: yeah um so yeah for for those of you who don't know I, I used to i used to be i trained to be a lawyer, I kind of studied law with French at university and then i um yeah spent some time in the banking world and eventually became a a banking litigator and um i i did that all through i think the conditioning of wanting to have a job that was successful in the eyes of society that would kind of please my parents or my grandparents and um yeah just for reasons that like you probably shouldn't <laughs> follow a career path um and truthfully at the time i didn't i didn't really know like of a different way a lot of my friends had all gone to university we'd all sort of like studied similar subjects and we'd all followed a similar path and I think I um you know I had I had had interest in history and in in law and I I think I was just following what was what felt interesting at the time um but a few years into my career I just sort of my body was showing me that actually it wasn't um the path for me um and I guess I couldn't ignore that any longer um that was what really what was the impetus I, I I knew that if I stayed in this career I'd probably end up getting sick through burnout through it's quite a high like even like high suicide rate in terms of like p- p- people reaching really senior positions in in law of just like wanting to give up um um lots lots of burnouts heart attacks and you know it's incredibly stressful career and I just thought if I go down this road I'll probably um And end up just not very well um and so yeah I um it was like the the to stay would be just going against everything that my body was telling me that I felt in my soul and just um wasn't really a career that aligned with my natural gifts and talents as well Um, I very much like molded myself and contorted myself to sort of fit in and I remember I was sort of like googling what jobs can I do that's like that would have you use your emotional intelligence or you know the kind of things that perhaps um, yeah wanting to support people in a different way rather than you know that idea of like doing good as opposed to just like putting more money in your shareholders pocket. Um, or your partner's pocket so it was yeah it was a kind of combination of things I think that that led to um, me wanting to change and then opening up the question to the universe to consciousness to God however you you know call it um, for support and guidance on which direction to go Um, and when I received sort of answers to that I felt confident to Pursue the path, but I had a lot of projections at the time of like it was a silly thing to do, and you know, like I was talking about conditioning. People value, I think, especially um, I know my parents' generation like value security, um, and um, I was giving up a very secure job for something unknown. Um, I also am naturally designed to make mountains move when I put my energy into something based on my design, and so I kind of. I sort of trusted a lot in my natural willpower and motivation and knowing that if the path was aligned and right, then I'd probably make it happen.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. and you did. And that's amazing. (laughs) But I do feel like we're like the first generation, really, to break that story that you can't have a job that you love and be financially supported. And so it's really inspiring to hear that story where you just listen to your body and you really honoured yourself. But it's hard. It's hard, and everybody around us is telling us that this is not the, the wise thing to do. They're in fear. So, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. You have to. It's really hard to, I think, quieten that rhetoric and that noise, and to really just tap into what you want and what feels good for you. Um, and ultimately, yeah, what what feels like success and where I was at in my job at the time, it didn't feel like success to me
1: yeah and that's a really bold statement because we are kind of redefining what success looks like and i'm sure you've spoken about this openly and and i know i come up with against it in myself and in my clients about this you know success meaning like working really really hard like sacrificing your needs like burnout that you mentioned before like you know going beyond our boundaries and um how do you how do you help yourself with that? And how do you help your clients with that, like using this human design?
0: Yeah, yeah, great question again. I think so um, knowing your human design, it kind of highlights to you where your conditioning might lie or where you're more susceptible to conditioning. Um, and one of the main things in my design being a projector is overworking and, yeah, really not knowing when enough is enough and so I'm very aware I've become very aware of that sort of shadow within me of not knowing when to stop not knowing when to yet not listening to my body when it's sort of saying enough is enough and getting very caught up in the conditioning of I should do more I should do like your mind telling you what you should be focusing I should just do one more post I should just um, you know I don't know write this email or whatever it is and, and that can go late on into the night and I end up overworking my sacral center, which is the house of life force energy. Um, And I've really had to start to notice where I've been in that conditioning of not knowing when enough is enough. And the role of the projector is to learn to, like you were saying, to work in different ways and to, um, yeah, redefine what success kind of really looks like for you. Um, And we're incredibly efficient beings, So the idea is to, to work less earn more but just remain just as effective and efficient so I, I'm always trying to think about like how can I be more efficient like what's yeah what sort of superfluous here what do what can I kind of take away that is um yeah not helping me and also impact or just reinforcing that conditioning of not knowing when enough is enough so um yeah I mean there's also like practical stuff like boundaries you know being strong in your boundaries and um yeah learning to prioritize I think becoming a mom really has made me an even more efficient being like I can't remember what I used to do with the time that I had before I had kids <laughs> or before I had Aussie you know so um I think there's like a that's that shift into motherhood um I've uh, yeah has sort of supported me in becoming more efficient um and yeah learning I guess to be more boundary in terms of like where my energy goes um but I can sort of see how I think another thing is just like, yeah, But you know, when you want to put like you're all into something, but that does require you having strong boundaries and uh, asking for help as well, um, which I didn't used to be very good at and still sometimes struggle with.
1: Yeah, I really resonate. I think becoming a parent, you suddenly have to get way more boundaries and you have to really just start to ask for help a bit more. It's yeah. like part and parcel with the whole experience, isn't it? Um, and I know that we come. We both have Greek fathers, right? And I do see there's quite strong conditioning in in that side of my family about this, like working hard ethic, and it's passed down quite strongly. Um, and recognizing, you know, like this is way before us. It's like Mm. generations after generations that have been carrying it. Yeah. Um, and yet we can be the chain breakers, right? And start Mm. to do things differently and role model it differently for our kids
0: so true yeah yeah I mean my brother's like worked hard all he, all his life he he had to you know to survive I guess like coming over here and like building up from my dad was born in Cyprus and um left whilst there was a war going on and you know his mum came over first in a boat um and literally she had nothing so she had to you know they worked all the hours that God sent multiple jobs just to make enough money to to then bring the rest of their children over and like it was that was an ethic work hard ethic that was really ingrained into them you know my dad's sort of like technically retired but still still working to this day <laughs> um and yeah I think it's so true like I, I I very much like picked up on this conditioning of like you have to to be successful you have to work hard um and that's a lot to to take on
1: yeah, and you can really understand where it, how it comes in when you tell that story, right, and mm-hmm. and how it's a survival mode. And, yeah, there's so much science now to show how that gets passed down through generations, even though that same situation isn't there, the same body re- reaction's happening, which is, like, mind-blowing. So we have to really hold space for our bodies. And I know you talk about that a lot, right? One of the things that really struck me in my human design is learning I'm a sacral generator and that I have to listen to my gut response yeah. I really have to tune into my body and and I know you're an embodiment coach mm-hmm. in human design right mm-hmm. so what is what when you when you say embodiment, what does it mean to you how does it look in action?
0: yeah, well, it's this really this idea of like coming out of your mind the whole time, and letting your mind run the show and just dropping into the body of just like when you're making decisions or Yeah, just navigating life on the day to day, noticing where you've let the mind be the driver of this experience as opposed to the body, because the mind is an incredible tool, right? And, but it's not great for decision making. Like the decision making and the knowing comes from our body, whether that be through, you know, whispers of your intuition or a physical feeling in your body of a rising of energy, you know, being, you know, having a sacral response to something or energy moving in your body, feeling a sense of excitement. and Because there's loads of different types of intuition in human design, right? How many is there again? Yeah, so what it is is there's different decision-making. Everyone's got a unique decision-making within their chart. So some people, um, they're here to kind of really listen to their emotions and make decisions based on how they feel about something, um, which is a, a lot more kind of fluid way of decision-making, whereas sacral decision-makers like you, it's quite binary. It's very, it's on, it's off. It's like in the moment, like there's a knowing or a not knowing kind of thing. Um, and then you've got splenic, which is people who are here to sort of listen to what that more traditional sort of, what we recognise as intuition, like our intuitive hits of like, it, it's based on safety, really. It's the, it's a centre that is... is is helping us survive or not is healthy for us or not. So um, you know, when you hear that sort of saying, oh, I smell a rat, or something doesn't taste quite right, it's that sensory information that is really old and is designed to keep us safe and um, that helps some people decide whether or not something's right for them or not. And and that's that's sometimes quite difficult to listen to if you're very based in your mind and you haven't learned to drop into your body or listen or know what that even you know for some people it might be a sort of a shiver down the spine or like your intuition will communicate with you in in different ways um for other people it's about speaking out it's about kind of like soundboarding and giving words to what's going on in in you know in your mind in your heart and your body and, and getting clarity through that way um uh, so there's, yeah, other people, it's about what they feel their heart wants, you know, what is my heart into? Um, do I have the energy for this? And do you know, does this open something give me a warm sort of fuzzy feeling? So human design embodiment really is about coming into the body and and, and listening to all of those signals within us um, that are guiding us towards what is correct for us and what is meant for us you know that's essentially what the decision making is is enabling us to do to align with a geometry that was was meant for us and a path that was meant for us as opposed to being in our conditioning and you know going off sort of course um so yeah lots of different ways that the the body is trying to communicate to us in any given moment and yet we're not taught to listen to you know growing up or um i you know i don't think i ever heard a teacher a parent a peer growing up sort of say to me what is what's your body saying like what you know what is what's your gut feeling kind of thing and or knew what that felt like for me it's interesting because projectors they don't actually have that sense of like a gut feeling of a yes or a no um they get their they they might have like a more of an intuitive, or yeah, or or speak things out to arrive at their truth, or or, or ride this sort of emotional wave um, that takes time to get to your truth. And so, perhaps you know you've been in a job where you need to make decisions very instantly and quickly, and actually you're somebody who's designed to take time with decision making, sleep on things, and in that very moment you just don't have the full picture of things. Um, so yeah, waiting for this kind of like nervousness that you feel around a decision to, to peter out and to kind of feel more calm about, um, and, and learning, you know, for me, it's been about like learning to, to trust that and to, to, I've got emotional decision-making so like embodiment wise and day to day, how that feels is like, I might wake up one morning and just not be in the mood for something. And if I've committed to it, it would be about just honoring how I feel in the moment. Uh, rather than pushing through blindly with my willpower and putting pressure on my heart, and you know, to to get something done because I said I would.
1: Mm, that's so powerful. So when people get their chart, then they can be armed with that knowledge and it almost gives them permission, right, to say, okay, that so I can actually listen to myself in this very subtle way and, and learn this. And you you mentioned about it not being taught, right? And mm. and this is kind of one of my fantasies because when you read my daughter's chart. I think she was only one or something, yeah. and I, I revisit it regularly. I revisited it recently, and I was like, oh, my God, so much is spot on. Now yeah. she's four and a half, like her personality is there, yeah. Yeah. and it's really helpful, you know, and, and you gave me some tips back then about, like, giving her those binary decisions, which really helps. Yeah. But, yeah, one of my fantasies is, like, imagine if we could – allow kids to have this information when they're younger imagine if like you know we could because you, you you talked i think about it being you it's meant it's meant to be used before we're seven, right can yeah. keep ourselves in it yeah yeah and what are the
0: potentials of that you know yeah i think that's the thing is like you know the guy who sort of channeled the human advice system and spent his life really trying just sharing the message and almost nearly sort of dying and trying to transmit it all um he often said that this system you know it's great for adults and all but really where the magic lies is in us being able to support raising our children like with the way that they came here to be rather than like you know fitting a sort of a a certain mold like we say so this information really is for the for the younger generations to keep them As they were meant to be, and to, you know, I think there's a certain element of life that you just can't avoid, like conditioning. Um, but having this tool to support them in, you know, when they are moving through different cycles and phases of life, whether that be through, you know, choosing subjects that they want to um pursue, or like they're navigating a tricky emotional relationship or something, you know, whatever it might be, whenever these sometimes challenging situations arise it's such a great tool to come back to and to kind of um yeah free yourself from the 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 narratives of the mind that offered like trying to overrule or you know or speak from the the mind really is giving a voice to the openness in our chart which is our conditioning and so quietening that and, and just tapping into what's true and what's right for us um if you have your chart with your child or your you know children it's it's such a great way to really support them in becoming and trusting who they are and their unique way of moving through life.
1: And then I guess you can advocate for them, right? Even in systems where they don't understand that, you can understand them in another way. Do you use, the like Ozzy's, your son's chart a lot now?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. I do. I kind of like, human design is so detailed in the way that you absorb information to your decision making, to how you're designed to intake, digest, you know, food and um, what environments you're here to thrive in. Um so yeah I know my son's sort of chart and just help support him with the way that he eats um you know knowing where he's at emotionally like how he, he feels and experiences emotions in the different waves that he has and um yeah just being able to you know now he's he's 18 months it's easier to interact with him and to kind of get something back um so it's been a nice way to get to know him beyond like, you know, just our relationship as mother and son. Um and just to know that, yeah, I I know what environments he's going to thrive in. I know that, you know, like how he's designed to take in information and like, you know, I, I I I feed him in a way that he's designed to digest. And um yeah, just these little things that help them remain who they came here to be. You know, if you have somebody who has um something called open taste digestion and maybe you've got a baby and then and you're they they, they receive information through their mouth through tasting things and if they've got a pacifier or a dummy like you're literally blocking that sense that awareness that they are that, that that they use to digest and to understand and to receive information um so like learning little things like this you know is was really really helpful for um for our children and for you know to help prevent a lot of that conditioning that we go through or um somebody's got like is sensitive to the, the the way that the food looks as they digest it um sort of mushing it all up like it might be that they are particularly sensitive and only want to like you know the way that the food looks actually impacts you know information that they receive and their desire to want to eat and stuff like this so like i said it gets like really granular but um yes yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a cool tool to, to help you understand them better and what's like right and correct for them
1: yeah it's amazing and something else that i really remember that um that you said is that in the past there's been a lot more left arrows so you have left mm-hmm. or, like, left arrows or right arrows on your chart right and I'm I'm full I'm four left arrows left, and my daughter yeah. was four right arrows and mm-hmm. I remember you saying that there's more right arrows coming in and I'm wondering if this is like pointing to a tip in you know in in many different things like from the left to the right brain but just oh, a yeah. tip in consciousness what do you, what yeah. what's your interpretation on it
0: yeah that's exactly right like we are shifting to more we've kind of been in an era and an age of like structure and planning and like um agreements and um hierarchy and um just the way that we consume information and the way that our children are taught like to learn stuff in school is very oriented towards people who have a lot of the left-facing areas in human design the, the difference is like left is it kind of denotes strategy strategic mind um body and um right is like more receptive so um you know right-minded like you know say for example your daughter who's a quad right like the the way that she receives and recalls information is going to be very different to you um systems and school is very much set up to support people who are left brained um whereas there's not much in place for you know kids who are right brained and therefore um white brain white mind like they um you know they're not meant to learn in the same way for example like if somebody is often I tell my if I'm teaching a program um I tell the students or the people I'm working with it's like if you're if you're left then take notes if you're right then just listen like that's how you absorb you're not we're not really taught that in, in, in school and right, you know, people um, who, who, who are predominantly right, the information is in there, but it needs to kind of be pulled pulled out of you um, um, in some way, like whether that be through a question or it's, it's just there. It's just sometimes it's hard for us to, to access it in the same way that somebody who's left can just recall. It's there, the information, they've listened to it and, you know, maybe they've written it down. It's they've absorbed and then, you know, they can recall very easily. Um, so the le- the way that the like we are learning is different, and we're kind of moving into an age of moving away from those structures and traditional hierarchical you know agreements that we've had in place. Into yeah, there has, it is going to be a tipping consciousness into more emotional awareness, and there there'll be this mutation according to Human Design, just like the way that we are you know running our businesses, the way that we are engaging with one another the way that we are learning and the way that we're absorbing information it it, it just will shift um and yeah it's gonna we'll see that if we have learned our human design and we are differentiated and you know we are trusting in in our bodies then we're more likely to survive and thrive in this new way of being um so there yeah it's coming there will be a shift I think we're seeing the rumblings of it anyway already um
1: 100% I mean even like in my short experience of school and with Mm. friends with kids at school there's so many more issues with kids nowadays Mm. it feels like and there's much more support around it as well but I do feel Mm. like there's a big rise in special educational needs there's just so many kids that don't fit into that box of the system anymore and so the system has to change
0: all those kids right definitely yeah and sometimes just, just the, the system that just it just doesn't support the way a child is designed to thrive and I think when we try and box all of the children into this one way of like learning then like it, it is bound to not work it's bound to not work you know not fit we can't take like a one-size-fits-all approach to education um with the way that people have come in to absorb information um is very unique Um, so yeah, I think definitely we will see this change, which is, is great. You know, it's like, what a time to, to be witnessing that shift and to be on the cusp of such a huge shift in consciousness. Mm. And it's all part of that redefinition
1: of success again, isn't it? And what does success look like? Is it how, you know, is that our kids thriving and being happy and adults thriving and being happy or is it success in the old paradigm? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: that's so true Um, yeah so true yeah
1: so obviously now you're a parent and um it can be one of those like the most triggering roles to step into right Mm -hmm. so and it bring i'm sure it brings up all of this conditioning even more i know it has for me massively Mm -hmm. it's why i'm doing so much of the reparenting work Mm -hmm. so what 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 have you found i guess the biggest struggle to to maintain and what what are you really enjoying about it
0: big question uh giving my inner child I think what she needed and wanted like growing up um like I enjoy reconnecting with play and with um yeah just I guess that creative side of me that maybe I lost somehow um and it's giving me more time to be present as well I think I could like part of my conditioning just like you know moving from one thing to the next and getting it done ticking off the list and just you know all of these things and like being a mother just really just pulls you into the present moment and um, I feel like yeah my inner child is getting really really nourished and you know like being brought up in ways that perhaps I wasn't and giving my son that opportunity of just like what I guess I felt was missing from um growing up um so there's like a huge i think healing journey going on in 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 that respect um i yeah i think that yeah that connection to just sort of being present because i can get very distracted and like i was saying for part of my human design is just like when my heart is into something I don't want to be distracted I'm just going to go and like get it done and like you just don't have the time really to to do that so you know Parent really or commit your energy as much to to things it's like yeah learning to use energy in different ways and he just pulls me into the present moment like so quickly um which I, I'm you know I can get distracted by and just be in my head sometimes so that's the real gift um, things that I struggle with, I think are, um, at the beginning I was, I struggled to like, I found, I'd find myself sort of saying, well, oh, just one more minute, or, um, let me just finish this and I'll be with you sort of thing. And, you know, he's at the age now where he'll just come and put my laptop like down and like want my attention and, you know, um, yeah, learning to sort of like divide my time and knowing what the best way to work was and when to ask for help did really struggle to ask for help initially. Like, you know, I'd sort of very much been in that maiden energy of like, I can get this done. I can do it. I can do it all myself. And it, it's really helped, like, you know, made me reach out and ask for help more, which I wasn't used to doing. So I think coming from the conditioning of my parents, of just like, you get it done. Like you survive, you dig deep, you, and you just can't do that in this age, like without the support. So I really had to ask for help and let go of any sort of like shame around me not being able to do it all myself. I think sometimes as a mum, you never feel like you're, you always sort of like question, like, am am I doing like good by him? Am I doing the best by him? And like wanting to give them everything that like you can really. Um, And so, yeah, just noticing where that narrative kind of comes up. Um, And, you know, one of the biggest struggles I've had of just like in any other situation where you find it really triggering or, you know, just, take the example of my job like I'd had enough and I wanted to leave I could quit I could leave I could pursue something different like you don't get to leave motherhood like you don't send your children back sort of thing (laughs) you have to really learn to like be learn how to be in those big moments you know of like what's going on what's confronting um and um like I've learned that i'm not very good at you know prioritizing my own sense of self-care and often i'll find that my own self-care just like drops right to the bottom of the list and then i realize that that's not good for anyone um so yeah it's like do I focus on work do I focus on Aussie you know got a relationship and just family friends and you know you're something to everyone and so where do you fit that time into yourself like that's been a real journey for me of just like learning to look after and nourish myself um that has been yeah probably one of the biggest challenges I'd say Mine too. I think yeah.
1: everything you said. I think every mother out there would deeply resonate with all of it. <laughs> yeah. It's just universal, isn't it? Yeah. And it's but yet, why are we not told this stuff? Like, mm-hmm. why? Why is it such a surprise? You know, I do think hopefully now, like, w- there's a lot more honesty and rawness happening, mm-hmm. and people are opening up. And it's not just mums; it's parents. I think we've just lost the village, haven't we? So it's hard at times, but yeah. it's also healing, like you said, because then you get to do it differently uh that how than how you experienced it and override that conditioning in yourself
0: yeah I think that that was what I noticed a lot just like okay the village really as we know it instead of what what I saw happening in my world was that as a mother I was often spending time and reaching out to other mothers who were experiencing similar levels of like being at capacity and just you know i guess exasperation at times you know in that in the kind of uh, the first year or so it can be a lot to hold and really those people are not the people who are have the capacity the energy to hold space for for you we have to go to the crone you know we have to go to the maiden in our in our group that can tend to us that can support us um and so i think one of my learning curves was actually working out who who actually could support me and and that it wasn't you know that that village is not just about like who your friends are you know and who's going through similar stuff to you but actually you know for asking for the people in my friendship group that maybe didn't have commitments like families or you know for support in different ways because they they could they had the space and, and the energy to, to, to be there for me and to support me so I think that 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 was a big sort of, um, you know, learning really what the village looks like, as opposed to, you know, people talk about the village a lot. And I think it's important to paint a picture of what that actually is. Um, And, you know, when my dad was growing up, his village was his grandparents and his literally, you know, they, they lived, you know, they they would go to the, the mountains or wherever it was where the villages were and they'd be off with other kids and, you know, grandparents. And there was just this whole community, um, especially when his mum left to like go and work, you know, he didn't have his mum there. So it was relying on support of grandparents of other people, of other families and stuff. Whereas here, I don't, in the first year, obviously I had help from my parents and stuff. I'm very fortunate with that. But a lot of the time I did spend with, time sorry was spent with other mums who were in similar situations who quite honestly just did weren't you know able to hold space in the way that like I needed space to be held for me if that makes sense.
1: Yeah totally makes sense and it's a really valid point and it continues like my closest friends now most of them don't actually have kids of course I've got really close friends that do have kids but I think it's important to have those different voices in your life that also, as you say, can relate to you, but in a very different way, right, and can hold space for you and can pick up, like, responsibilities where your your fellow mum friends or parent friends just can't do that. The village, the village is is so diverse, right, yeah. every single mix and shade of person, and that's important that your child sees that too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I worked with a birth keeper, you know, in my, pre- in my pregnancy with Ozzy, and I remember her sort of saying to me, like, um, about setting up like a food train for when, um, you know, Aussie was born and the idea of like asking other people to like help and bring me food was just so like the uncomfortableness that I felt in like that request. I think, especially again, like coming from a culture, like a Greek culture where like, I don't know, maybe there's a sort of like sense of pride of like looking and taking care of, I don't know. Yeah. It was just, it was just, I remember it being distinctly, uncomfortable because I just so wasn't used to like making such a request
1: yeah same I remember being triggered by that as well <laughs> Although I'd be quite different about it now yeah. but yeah it is it's our conditioning again isn't it that we have to be self-sufficient and that we're taught from very young age to be very independent and that you know we can do everything on our own yeah. and it's dangerous it's dangerous when we get to those moments those rites of passage where we do need that help we oh, do yeah. need to start questioning those things um, way before they happen
0: right yeah yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. so true so what are your hopes for the future now that uh, human design's out there more? Well, now that it's more um accepted it's more widely available
0: what where do you see it going mm. yeah so um i think really when i i think about i guess my body of work and Um, the work that I want to do in the world a lot of it is simply like learning to love yourself more or accept who you are I think I've just been on such a deep journey of like really surrendering and coming away from a mold of trying to fit in I know this is very sort of like personal to me um but If I think about, like, when I want to look back on my career or the work that I do, a lot of it is around, like, learning to love yourself more and understand what makes you unique and how different you are and supporting that path of individuation. Um, So human design is just one of the tools out there that helps us with that, that helps children, that helps mothers, that helps business owners, that helps, you know anyone come back to like you know who who they are and who what's inherently different about them and unique um because you're never going to get anywhere just by copying what other people are doing or copying what's worked for one person and um your power really lies in you understanding what's different about you so you know i guess um, a, a lot of the practitioners I work with now, you know, do have personal brands of growing their brands and want to understand what makes them unique or what, what will help them stand out. Um, and yeah, that's the kind of the work that I really want to support them with. Um, and really the heart of that is, is learning to love yourself more and to kind of like build more compassion for yourself and um, yeah, discover what sort of at the bottom of your own soul um that no one else can find, you know.
1: Yeah, I feel I'm smiling so much because it's mm. exactly what drives me in my parenting work. I feel yeah. like it's so important that we really understand that, you know, if we can really learn to love ourselves, to accept ourselves fully just as we are, mm. then that's got such a powerful effect on everyone around us. And I think also when you're talking it makes me think, I mean, I don't just work with women, but especially with women, I feel like our conditioning's quite strong in that area. I do feel we have a little bit more work to do um, like on the surface level than, than men because we've yeah. had it harder we've been oppressed a bit more right
0: yeah yeah it's so true I mean the majority of my clients are women as well um, and I'd probably say like they don't have we don't have the same confidence and conviction in in ourselves that men sometimes do and
1: whether that's real or not who knows
0: yeah well yeah that's also true yeah yeah um but yeah give it I think giving that to them so that they can go out and share their own message because I'm honestly blown away by you know the work that my clients do in terms of getting their message out there and the ripple effect that it that it has um so that's one something as well that really drives drives me of just like imagine the change that we can all make on a collective level, if we truly were, you know, the shining the brightest that we can in this lifetime. Um, I really believe that everyone kind of comes in with a gift of evolving consciousness in some way, and that you know, the more that we can really put that out and share that with the world, the the, the better the world and the place gets to be
1: yeah it's really powerful and there's no one way to be right and like i've interviewed all sorts of different people for this podcast and they've all got different ways of being and you're really shining a light on like how you can like be a a beautiful like wonderful parent and also make a really big mark on the world with your career and that's amazing and and yet somebody else has a completely different way of their own design and what, how they want to be in the world and how that shines and inspires other people. I think that's magnificent, you know, how yeah. we can all be so different. Yes, very true. <laughs> so thank you so much. Just finally, can we please tell listeners, first of all, how can they find out their chart and also how they can work with you and find you?
0: Yeah, sure. So to look up your human design, um, the website I use is Jovian Archive. Um, there are different websites out there, but the reason I use that is because I think it's really important to um, share resources of source material from human design because, like you say, there's there's been so much noise and growth of human design in, in recent years. Um, sometimes the I guess the essence of it as like can get filtered um so sorry uh, like diluted is the word I was looking for um and so I always direct people to source material because there's a certain effect that that has when it's transmitted that actually creates change um and impacts you um so head to Jovian Archive and there's plenty of resources on there around like learning your design and your chart and um yeah if you're starting out and you want to look into it a little bit more um to work with me so i i i hang out on instagram <laughs> um, and my handle is at livy underscore um and my website is embodiedhumandesign.com um um, yeah, I really and you've support... got a wonderful
1: podcast as well, haven't you? I do
0: have a podcast, yeah. <laughs> My podcast is called With Libby and it's all things human design and growing your personal brand um, based on your human design. Um, so yeah, you can check that out as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'll put everything in the show notes how to find you and work with you. And I'm sure everyone will agree with me that this has been really inspiring and thought-provoking, like really amazing to just really consider how things could be different for every single person out there. They just choose to... Follow their own design. So, thank yeah. you so much for coming oh, on thanks and for having this me. a pleasure. conversation with me. You've been listening to the Reparenting Podcast with me, Melissa maurice I'm a reparenting coach, and I run various programs on this topic. I also hold a regular mother circle called It Takes a Village. If you enjoyed this episode, please do hit subscribe. And if there's someone you feel would benefit from hearing it, please do pass it on. For more information about the guest on today's show, you can head to the show notes or reparentingpodcast.com. This podcast was edited and produced by Emma Tyndall. Thanks so much for listening.